Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are coming to the Mets. What a glorious time to be a New York Mets fan. We dive headfirst into the biggest Mets trade since they got Mike Piazza, talk about the impact on the franchise and what the Mets might do next. We'll chat about the blockbuster deal with Mets radio voice Howie Rose and former Mets GM Jim Duquette. All that and more is next on an emergency edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown and Nelson Figueroa are here. And Figgy, what a day for the Mets franchise. They have acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians in exchange for Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, prospects Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. And what a deal for the Mets, Figgy. They get a franchise shortstop, a guy who's made four all-star teams. He's won two gold gloves. He's won two silver sluggers. And they get a certified number two for them, probably number three starter in Carlos Carrasco. They give away two shortstops, who's the same position as Lindor plays, and they give away two prospects that we don't know a ton about. I wouldn't say it's a fleecing, but the way the Mets got this done, the way Jared Porter and Sandy Alderson got this done, they said they've been working on it for a while and it really started to materialize on Monday. Mets fans should be jumping for joy right now after what has happened in our country on Wednesday and the negativity going around and everything just so low and our feeling in the dumps to start the new year. This kind of raised at least Mets fan spirits because this is the best trade, the biggest trade the Mets have made since acquiring Mike Piazza in 1998. And this is the kind of trade, especially if they extend Lindor for the long-term figgy that you look at that turns the team into a championship contender. This is the kind of move that makes waves and turns a team into a championship team. Inject me with the vaccine. Get me to City Field in 2021. I'll buy season tickets right now. I'm about to take out a loan and be in all 81 games if they're there in 2021, Figgy. And do you wonder why they made the trade? Do you wonder why you go out and get a superstar caliber player and a guy who in jersey sales alone will make up for whatever you're going to have to pay him over the next eight years this is the kind of player that you want to have in their prime this is a guy who when he's out there all facets of of the Mets offensive defensive running bases they click at another level the pitching got better today not even mentioning Carlos Carrasco the pitching got better because of his defense up the middle those ground ball pitchers a guy like Stroman who relies on a much better defense than he had been getting This is a guy that will be a game changer throughout the season. The biggest thing, the biggest if, is can the Mets woo him the way they did Piazza after playing in New York City, get them to stay for the long term? That's the thing that I'm concerned about. And I know it's too soon to be be concerned about it. I want to enjoy this package deal. And to get Carlos Carrasco, kind of it seems like thrown in the deal right because i would have given up at least those three pieces of of the two shortstops and one of the top and one of the prospects who aren't the top prospects there's good players that and i will trade any minor leaguer 
for a guy who's a superstar right now, doesn't matter to me. I don't care about a potential of what they can be in five years. If you're looking to win, you're looking to win right now. No longer are you waiting around for Rosario to turn the corner. No longer are you hoping that Jimenez won't hit the sophomore jinx. You have Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, who's a proven, proven top flight starter in the game. And when I say top flight starter, I don't care if he's not 28 years old. There are some people who can pitch when they're older. He is one of those guys, his repertoire, the way he can spin a baseball, the way he moves a baseball around the strike zone, can pitch up and down in the strike zone. For the last, in the DeGrom era, you're talking the DeGrom era, since 2014, this guy's been top 11 when it comes to war, according to fan graphs. What that means is every time you look in the American League at the Cy Young voting, he has been right there, top 10, and alongside of Corey Kluber and alongside the guy who wants to sign for $30 million in Bauer, this is a you're going to have him for at least two years. You see what you have after that. But for to get his caliber of pitching for only $12 million a year, I will take that all day. This is a win-win for the Mets right now. And if they sign Lindor for the long haul, forget it. This could be the best trade of all time for the Mets. I ran through every brick wall in Astoria when I heard the news. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't be more excited. And listen, we talked about this in the past, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to trade Jimenez, but I don't know, something about throwing Carrasco in, because listen, this guy battled, came back from a life-threatening disease, leukemia, in 2019. So throw his 2019 stats out the window. Carlos Carrasco in 2020 had a 2.9 ERA. And you look at his career numbers, 377, 2018, 338, 2017, 329, 2016, 332. Go on and on. 2017, he was a top five Cy Young candidate, went 18 and six. So listen, uh, Carlos, Car Carlos Carrasco is like the, the pizza pie and Francisco Lindor is like the chicken parm with the spaghetti. I mean, you're getting the great dinner. You're getting the New York pizza. You're getting the best of both worlds. And this is huge because Francisco Lindor, like you said, you don't know about Jimenez. You don't know about Rosario. You know Lindor not only brings the gold glove defense. Throw 2020 out the window. Weird year. 2019, 32 dingers. 2018, 38. 2017, 33. 2016, he had 301. In the four years, Figgy, that he's played you know, a full schedule of 162 games and he's played throughout the first year where he only played 99, he made the All-Star team in all four years. So you want to talk about consistency? You want to talk about a guy who you know is going to perform well if he's on the field? It's Francisco Lindor. So there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This deal is tremendous for the Mets, and I think what's big about this is, Figgy, is they didn't have to give away J.D. Davis, Dominic Smith, Brandon Nimmo. They still have Ronnie Mauricio, another shortstop prospect. So, listen, the hope is Lindor is here long-term, and that's the expectation. But, God forbid they somehow don't re-sign him. You have another prospect at shortstop in the system waiting. So, it's not the end of the world that you lose Jimenez and Rosario. And they didn't really have to give up any other huge prospects. Josh Wolf has only made five starts in the minor leagues. And Isaiah Green hasn't done anything because they drafted him in 2020 and there was no minor league season. So it's not like you traded the world away. And while it's not a fleecing, I think the Mets got the better end of this deal by a mile. And Cleveland, for them, this is a team that's in a position, cap space, changing their team name. They clear a lot of money in the cap. Lindor is going to make about 20, Carrasco around 12. They're clearing a lot of money off the book. So for them, they're a team that's kind of in rebuild here. So they get youth, but the Mets now are in win-now mode. 
And this is the trade that gets us all excited. This is the trade that I won't be ignoring the Mets calls when they call me to buy tickets. What I'm going to say to them is that we host Amazing But True, and Figgy's just going to give me tickets in return. We know that's going to be the case. But how excited are you, man, about potentially being there? We'll talk with it with Howie Rose and Jim Duquette later. But, you know, the fact that this happens, but also the fact that they're not done. You know, Steve Cohen, they have more up their sleeve. They have more holes to fill, and we know that they're not done. But the fact that it's January 7th and you do this with still an offseason ahead, with nothing really materializing yet, with plenty of names still out there, George Springer is still a possibility. I mean, you have to be pumped if you're a Met fan, a former Met player like you. I mean, it is, it's a truly an exciting time. Yeah, that's great for the fans, and it's great for former players to be like, okay, look at what the organization is doing. This is gonna, this looks like it has tremendous potential. I want to touch on the current players, the current players who are reacting to what they saw today and what they see with the new ownership and the new vision that's being provided by someone like Steve Cohen. You're looking at Sandy being able to be a little bit more flexible with these deals and not feel like he's going to be restricted on the back end because there's still moves to be made. And Jared Porter is a part of this now, too, that where these deals are coming to fruition and there's a lot more people to bounce ideas off of and, and have that freedom of saying, listen, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about he's not signed to an extension just yet. Make the deal. We will find a way to keep a player of Lindor's caliber here. The other thing you have to realize is that if it doesn't happen with Lindor and there are going to be at least four shortstops in the free agent market where you're talking about upper echelon shortstops. That should scare Lindor a little bit where he, yes, he has the complete package, but I think competing with all the other guys, because there's only so many big market teams that are needing a shortstop and going to need a shortstop that there's not going to be that money to go around. I know Machado got lucky because he went to shortstop and they was able to sign. And even though he went as a shortstop, look, he goes over the third base because they have a guy over there in Tatis Jr. who is a special player as it is. Those things, uh, you don't worry about them in, in, the, in the context of what just happened, right? So James McCann, who saw the deal big time, two fire emojis he throws up there. He's pumped about it. You got somebody like Stroman, who Stroman is all over Twitter, right? Already calling Steve Cohen a legend, right? And then and he, said, to, he also said, I'm turnt right now. Which was, I'm was awesome. Yeah, he had, to, he had to make sure he, he translated that for everybody. He's so excited for this move. And then I, I get a... I get a text message from Pete Alonzo, and he says, and I quote, holy shit, we just got one of the most dynamic and electric players in the game. We are going to be scary. L-F-G-M. Let's go! Guest of the program, Pete Alonzo. Friend of the program. That's what I'm talking about, and that's what it does. It injects that kind of enthusiasm in all these players. Not that they weren't working hard, not that they're not going to be prepared for the season, but now you realize that we just went to having a superstar. And this 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 kid's charismatic. If you ever saw the All-Star games where he was mic'd up and he was able to focus on job at hand, make a great play, laugh at it, and then talk to the other players about it as he's doing it, all while being a gold glover, that's the kind of player you're getting. He's a special player. He's a guy that for hopefully, hopefully for the foreseeable future, we'll be in a Met uniform for a long time in the middle of that lineup, switch hitter, power from both sides. And just, I think this is what you've been waiting for. The Mets haven't had a superstar player 
like this because we keep talking about it right with Conforto is he there yet you got Pete Alonso crashes onto the scene but then crashes down to earth a little bit and then you well they don't have that guy that you can go this guy is the perennial all-star that everybody when they think of they're coming to play the Mets Francisco Lindor is in that lineup and he's probably he's not even he's not even the guy that right now you're thinking as a Met you go oh you got Conforto you got Alonso you got McNeil you got it just got so deep in that lineup and and so real for defensive purposes up the middle with McCann now and now you have Francisco Lindor the Mets right now have and just to think they're not done yet I mean if they sign Springer this lineup is just stupid scary I mean it's just stupid off the charts good where you know I might just order World Series tickets now if they, if they got George Springer I don't know if they will and they talked about this will they go above that luxury tax line we know they have all the money with Steve Cohen. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to spend like a drunken sailor. There's reported interest in Jackie Bradley Jr., who helps them defensively up the middle. We talk about the defense. I know both of us aren't in love with Jackie Bradley Jr. He's kind of uh, not a liability, but he's not really much of a hitter. So we'll see what happens in center field, but that's something to talk about. Liam Hendricks, maybe. A Brad Hand. Again, one more starter I think is going to happen, especially with Syndergaard out till June Figgy. I think they might go after, whether it's Odorizzi, Pat, and Tanaka. I think Trevor Bauer's out the window, and I'm perfectly fine with that when you look at the money he wants. I think there's zero reason now. I mean, with Carrasco, to be honest, Carrasco has had a better career than Trevor Bauer, and you're getting him for, you know, half the price or a third of the price. So it's, I mean, you can compare those two and look at their careers and say, you know what? Carlos Carrasco, I might rather have for $12 million a year. So, I, you know, I think we're looking at the secondary guys like an Odorizzi and a Paxton to kind of fill out your rotation here. And then, Figgy, that allows you to have Seth Lugo in that bullpen to join uh, Trevor May, who they, they brought in. It, it allows that bullpen to be better. And then if you add Hendricks, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, this team, you, you talk about pitching winning games, the depth would be off the charts. So I think what we look at to be next is a center fielder and more and one or two more arms. And I think you do that, that allows you to, you know, play Davis in third and left. That has McNeil at second. You know, play a little Dom in left. Obviously, DH is still important, and Howie talked about that. He asked about that as well. So it gives you flexibility if you go out and get a center fielder and a few more arms. Yeah, I'm looking, I think when you look at the bullpen and how it's shaped up, right, you just bought yourself Seth Lugo in that bullpen again, and he can be that key weapon uh, that they use weapon x i like to call him because he can do so many things he can close he can go long for you he can give you two innings at the back end when it's not a save opportunity and you have that confidence that he's going to get the job done because more times than not 80 percent of the time he has done that over his career for me i think i want to go and get that left-handed guy so you look at somebody like justin wilson bringing him back I liked what Justin Wilson was able to do here in the Met uniform. I know he feels like he's a, a commodity, and he is because his left-handed success over the last two years. Um, I think you bring him back. I think he would want to be back looking at all the moves that are being made, the new ownership, and the vibe that's been created around this team. He, you know, he, he got his feet wet here for two years. I would like to have him back. I know in the beginning I wasn't totally sold on his capabilities, and when you keep talking about left-handers, I'm going to go with one more. Paxton is the name where – what was Paxton for the Yankee rotation? The number two, three? His his issue is injuries, and he's never been able to sustain a full season, although he's kind of a depth guy where, you know, if they when they get Syndergaard back, they're not going to rely on Paxton a ton, and then a lot will depend on David Peterson and his development if he's in the rotation. 
Yep, that's exactly where you're at, right? So for me, I would want to have a Paxton in there. If you can pay him, you know, somewhere around that Carrasco money, which to me, if you give him a two-year deal at that, see if he's going to be willing to take that and stay in, in the New York market and, and build rebuild his his uh, career because early on, yeah, this guy was one of those can't miss 97 from the left side, nasty breaking pitches, but staying healthy is the biggest part of it. And if you're going to be in a rotation where you're not going to be abused, he's not going to be asked to throw 200 innings. He's not going to be asked to throw 150 innings. He'll be the back end of the rotation where kind of what Trevor Bauer did this year and said, I got 11 starts. I'm going all out. I can do that for 11 starts. If you got a Paxton and you're not looking for him to make 33 starts, you say to him, hey, we want the best 25, 24 starts out of you. You're going to get that. If you have to bump him every 10 days, the same way that the Dodgers use the 10-day uh, DL for however long. You know, I haven't seen Kershaw pitch a full season in the last three years since they made that rule. And Kershaw is still one of the best pitchers in the game from the left side. So I think there's ways that you can get the more bang out of, for your buck out of Paxton and with upside, with that tremendous chance for upside where I'm not trying to make him my number two guy and have to throw 200 innings and carry this team into the playoffs. Right now, he's pushed to the back burner, and, and he can rebuild himself over the next two years. Yeah, this rotation will be scary when Syndergaard is back if they're all healthy. It's exciting. Lindor is exciting. Now, the guys they gave away, you know, will miss Jimenez. I don't think a lot of people are going to miss Rosario. I think he was just so inconsistent, wasn't as good defensively as a lot of people thought. I think Jimenez, you saw signs that this kid could be a stud. But when you're talking about Lindor and what could be a stud in Rosario, I mean, Lindor is in the prime of his career. 27 he's younger than me figgy he's 27 years old i'll be 30 on february 5th by the way send your gifts to uh, king of astoria but you know it's it's exciting he's in his prime you get us started this is big and you know in the press conference they talked they said we're gonna approach lindor about a contract extension in the next few weeks I think Mets fans would be relieved if they got it done before the season. I'd rather maybe not wait until after the season, Figgy. I know you, you seem to be in the mindset of let him play, but he's also probably going to be more prone to doing it before when he could get all the money now versus other teams who can't pay him that money now because of all the money they lost in the pandemic. I, I say lock him up you know, by, by Valentine's Day. I think if you, you make it a highly competitive offer, it doesn't have to beat a Mookie Betts. It doesn't have to beat... A, a a Manny Machado, when you're looking at where he was in his contract, I don't think you're in that situation because, remember, there wasn't anybody close to Manny Machado when he came out in the market. There wasn't anybody close. When Lindor comes out in the market next year, there are going to be at least three other top flight shortstops. And, and Trevor Story, uh, Carlos Carrasco, those are names that are being thrown out there. And there's only so much money that can go around. There's only so many teams. And teams will be saying, hey, instead of paying Lindor this close to $400 million, maybe you know, we'll pay Carrasco $200 million. Maybe we'll pay uh, you know, Trevor Story somewhere in that neighborhood as well. Would, so that fall off, even though you're upper tier and you're upper echelon, that fall off could be very steep. But for a team that's hurting for money, and which the Mets – technically shouldn't be, I still see them being able to, to make it very comfortable for him and his family for a long, long time. And there's no better place to do it with a team that's poised 
to compete at the highest level right now than the New York Mets. And you say his family, Figgy, he just added a family member. He just had a kid. He's going to the Mets. I mean, it's like Christmas all over again for Francisco Lindor. I'd imagine he's pumped to leave a rebuilding Cleveland plus his freaking Cleveland. I mean, who wants to be in Cleveland? Let's be honest. Like, what are you going to go to the Canton? You're going to go to the fo- Pro Football Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Museum, you know, go to a coal mine. I don't know what you're doing in Cleveland. In New York, I'm taking you to Amore. You're seeing a Broadway show. When when life is back, he's going to bu- want to be here in the long term when New York City is New York City, its actual self. And he seems like an electric guy, a guy who likes to have fun. He's going to love it here. So, you know, Francisco, I know you're listening. You're a big, amazing, but true listener. Now we want to have you on in 2021. We're hitting, you know, we're hitting one Oak. We're hitting Lavo. We're popping bottles in 2022 after we celebrate the 2021 world series title. Uh, Lindor, listen, uh, team Puerto Rico. I remember watching that. That's the kind of infectious energy that you're going to see that WBC where you had Baez, Lindor and and Correa, you know, playing second, short and third respectively. That's what you're talking about, where that that energy, that smile that he has is infectious. He's from both sides of the plate. The the guy, from all accounts, is a tremendous teammate, isn't self-absorbed, loves to win. And in Cleveland, you know, that wasn't going to be a huge opportunity here in the foreseeable future. So they made the move that they felt was right. They got, uh, again, you got a major league shortstops infielders that you can kind of mix and match and see what you can do. They can might be able to trade one of those guys off and get some other pieces that they need. So Cleveland did well for themselves. It's not exactly the Piazza fleecing that uh, where you, you get a couple of players that may become major league players. And then you have one guy who Preston Wilson, who was a good player, but again, one of the other guys went to the hall of fame, not saying Lindor is going to the hall of fame, but all I saying is that Lindor is the type of superstar that New York Mets desperately needed to have more clout and credibility. And they just did that. And I'm glad that, you know, this is how the Steve Cohen era has begun. Please get us to City Field. And I love Steve Cohen's tweet. I know this trade seems to be create seems to creating excitement. Well, uh, punctuation error there but let's get back to what matters the black jerseys i mean he's funny on there and so many people figgy were talking about you know he hasn't done anything yet guess what no one is was, so it's not just he him was getting, but you, but did you see he was getting a little irritated by it you know he kind of gave a little quips back to certain people saying well you know the mets aren't doing anything and he's like what do you think nobody's going to take our money like we're not offering players deals right now and so the market itself the free agent market in itself is very very slow right all the teams are kind of trying to figure out where they're at with money budget with the season if fans are going to be let in there's a lot of things that go into it that really make it hey we'll sign these guys when we're ready they're pushing back the season possibly we'll sign these guys when we're ready we don't have to rush at it because there was a starting date there's no finish line to it at the same time what i think you're looking at is owners are trying to get creative If you tell me the San Diego Padres didn't just get uber creative to get two of the top starters in baseball in their rotation, and I don't care what they had to give up. I don't care how many pieces you had to get. They just got two of the most coveted arms in baseball. One guy who's under team control for, what, $35 million for the next four years? That would would Snell, those kinds of moves are what new baseball is going to be about. You take a cash-strapped team. And you say, hey, we can alleviate this problem for you and give you more prospects, more young players that you can keep under control for the first five years of their career and not have to worry about paying them. We'll be glad to pay them. 
when they hit free agency. Uh, you Darvish right now, who's coming off a season like he has, I, I think th those are what you're looking at. Sandy and the new baseball. So it's not money ball anymore. There's a new baseball and there's new ways to do things and you have to be creative. And what this trade also did by just giving up Rosario and Jimenez, you still have all those other pieces. Like you said, you still have a Dom Smith if you wanted to trade a Dom Smith. You still have a Brandon Nimmo if you want to trade a Brandon Nimmo. And you got Springer to play center field every day. Those are the things that you still have available if you want to get creative. And I think that's what the new Mets are about doing and not just looking at overpaying people in free agency to kind of band-aid over a bigger problem 2021 the new mets they're here get me to city field figgy i can't wait three months get me in the damn stadium i, I you know i'll get you in there now get me in i mean this the security might be better than the capitol building but get me in the stadium i mean i might not be able to get in there's more security but i need to be there and you know the mets are buzzing when jake brown's gonna be in fox 5 in new york i gotta, I gotta shave so we're gonna talk to howie rose and jim duquette but i gotta whip out the gold blazer i gotta shave the neck beard because the tv's calling my name figgy they need my face Telling the fans what it is. It's time to get hype. You thought Figgy was good on TV. Wait till you see a real star on TV. He might have won an Emmy, but there's Emmys to come my way. Uh, man, it's uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are met. And when the next big Mets move hits, we'll be back here on Amazing But True. But coming up next, Figgy, we had a couple of great interviews with the voice of the Mets, Howie Rose, the former GM of the Mets, Jim Duquette. It's all coming up next. And if, by the way, if you missed, check out our Pete Alonzo interview. If you're new to Amazing But True, if you're late, go back and listen to Pete Alonzo 40-minute interview on Amazing But True. But Howie Rose joins us next right here on Amazing But True. All right, joining us next on Amazing But True, it's the longtime voice of the Mets. You catch him on the radio calling every Mets game. Howie Rose stops by on a big day in Mets history, Howie. It seems like the biggest day since Howie Rose asked for Noel Brown's number at a Toyota dealership in the 80s, if you ask me. But it's probably even bigger than that, Howie. Well, this one's going to get a little more ink, I think. But in the long term, it certainly has the ability to go down as one of the best trades that the Mets have ever made if, in fact, it plays out the way everybody hopes, and that is that Lindor stays on, signs an extension, and continues along the career path he's established. Howie, do you think, just like when the Piazza deal was done, you gave up some prospects and you had a chance for one year at, of Piazza, do you think it's a similar type deal where you see what you get out of this first year and then go from there, not worry about the extension so much and overthink it? Well, it's an interesting point about overthinking it because I think as a baseline, you make a deal like this with the expectation that you're going to be able to sign the player because this is a kid that's going to play all of next season at age 27. He turns 28 in November, which is nearly a full year away. So, you know, whenever you think necessarily of the level of prospects the Mets gave up, and I happen to think that Andres Jimenez, in particular, is going to be a really good major league player. I love the kid's instincts, and I just I just think he's going to be a really, really good player. But I, I think that with the new ownership and the newfound resources that, you know, they made this deal, thinking that they have every opportunity and every chance to sign them long term, whether or not that happens ultimately is up to the player. But, you know, there are going to be some other free agents on the market who play shortstop next winter as well. 
and he may not want to get into that mess. And, and so there's, there's certainly going to be momentum to get a deal done, maybe as soon as the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts after they acquired him. Howie, is this that kind of deal that you look at it propels the Mets to a World Series contender, or is there still a lot of work to be done here in the offseason? Oh, I think even Sandy Alderson and Jared Porter would tell you they're not a finished product yet. There are still things that need to be done. I would like to know, as I think everybody in baseball would, what the status of the DH in the National League this coming season is going to be because, you know, that affects the moves that the Mets might make when you consider that, okay, if they go out, you know, whether they sign a George Springer or they trade for a Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, the point is if you don't have the DH, unless there's a trade, well, you've got to keep Dom Smith's bat in the lineup, but playing him in left field is not optimal. Pete Alonso would be probably better served to DH if, in fact, that possibility uh, does become reality again in the National League. And then you can play Dom Smith at first and you have more flexibility in the outfield. The Mets have no shortage of DH candidates. It's how you make everything fit defensively that I think is contingent upon whether or not we have that rule in the National League this coming season. One last thing for me, Howie. Definitely, I feel like at least hearing the news of the Mets trading for a superstar who's in the prime of his career as a Met fan for the fan base. How, how big was this news today? I think all you have to do, when was it announced somewhere in the noon vicinity, noon, one o'clock, something like that um, on Thursday. Cause you know, people will be hearing this after the fact, of course, but the deal was made on Thursday, the 7th of January, somewhere in the noon hour, Eastern time. If you, Go back on Twitter and look at what Mets Twitter had to say, beginning at approximately the moment the deal was consummated right through the next couple of hours. It's a celebration, and I understand it because they haven't really been able to enjoy a deal of this consequence for a long, long time. So the fact not only that they made this deal, but that there are others of this magnitude that now are feasible to discuss about making down the road. Oh, boy, that's really going to energize the fan base, and it already has. And you can follow Howie Rose on Twitter, at Howie Rose. We had him on. What you had you on when you first made Twitter, and now you're about to hit the 40,000 plateau. So a lot of things in the new year. Howie getting 40K, the Mets getting Lindor. And Howie, kind of underrated aspect of this deal is Carlos Carrasco, because most teams, yeah. Cookie as they call him, he's a number two starter. For the Mets, he might be a three or four, but his overall numbers and what he did, you know, coming back from leukemia is pretty remarkable. And a lot of people are sleeping. And the fact that he's getting 12 million, which is not a ton for a number two starter. That's a good point, Jake, and an important one, too, for a lot of reasons, some of which you just talked about. And look, the most important thing. With, with anybody, but given his recent history, Carlos Carrasco, of course, is that he's in tip-top health. And, you know, God willing, that'll be the case. And he takes his turn every fifth day and makes the Mets an instantly uh, better starting rotation than what they had before this deal was made. <clears throat> you know, coming back last year, his numbers are pretty good. He's 33-34, I believe. So the Mets have him under control for at least two years, plus an option. And, you know, if he can get anything close to where he was before he was taken ill, then, man, the Mets have really fortified their rotation. They still might want to add a piece here or there because, as Jared Porter says, and it's the oldest cliche maybe in all of baseball, he just never seemed to be able to get enough pitching. But, you know, he also buys time for Noah Syndergaard because if Noah comes back in June or maybe by the All-Star break at the latest, 
you know, that's only going to lengthen that rotation. So uh, assuming he's healthy, then the Mets have really improved themselves on two fronts with this deal, one with Carrasco on the rotation and, of course, the big piece Lindor at shortstop. And remember, this team needed to be way better up the middle defensively coming into this offseason. And so they've added McCann, who certainly is a defensive upgrade over uh, Wilson Ramos. Just getting McNeil back to his natural position, second base, that's a better fit. Lindor, a couple of gold gloves, speaks for himself at shortstop. And who knows what they'll do in center field. But they're going to be better up the middle than they were, and that is no small point. Yeah, and Lindor in his prime. Carrasco will be 34 in March, so he's still got a couple of good years left to him. And Howie Rose, you got plenty of good years left in you. And, God, me and Figgy need, and the whole Mets fan base – Needs to be at City Field. Their ticket reps have called me enough this offseason. Now I can answer their calls and buy some damn tickets. Inject me well, with the vaccine, Howie, and get me at City Field. I got to be there. You and the rest of us, and I'll tell you, you know, never mind this particular trade, but I, I just can't even imagine what it's going to feel like to get back into City Field with 40,000 other people there. I mean, you talk about one of the goose bump inducing moments in any of our careers, either as a fan or as a, a member of the media, boy, that first game back when we can pack the house, that is going to be one of one of the great memories I think any of us will have. So I can't wait for it. I got goosebumps just hearing you talk about it. Hell, pay, charge me $20 for a Bud Light. I don't care at this point. I'll pay for it, Howie. Uh, we'll, we'll see you in 2021, man. Thanks for coming on. Okay, I'll have the sushi if that's all right. All right. Yeah, uh, overpay like for that. 30 bucks for sushi. Garuna. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Howie. All right, guys. Thank you. Moving right along here in Amazing But True, we just spoke with Howie Rose, the voice of the Mets. Now we talk with former Mets GM. You catch him on SNY, MLB Network Radio, and Sirius XM. And he was the minor league director for the Mets when they made that historic trade in 1998 for Mike Piazza, it's Jim Duquette. Jim, welcome to Amazing But True. Glad to chat with you. Happy New Year. What was your reaction, man, when uh, when this went down today? It was like Mets Twitter was in a frenzy. <laughs> it was. Well, it should be, too, right, Jake? Thanks for having me on, Figgy. What's going on? The, the, yeah, that dish, it has almost the same element to some degree. One year left in the contract. This what you know. Obviously, the, the Piazza one was middle of the season, you know, beginning of the season, but it's still the middle of the season that already started. And so with, with Lindor and I, you have, you know, the ability to enjoy this trade in the, in the winter and over the spring and, you know, leading up to it. So, so there's that aspect of it. this guy, this guy, you know, when you understand the magnitude of it and what he has the ability to do, um, and then you start looking and you go, well, okay, originally you didn't think they could match up, because you know they needed a lot of upper level prospects. Well, they they created a they created a, you know the the Jimenez and Rosario portion of it, and then two kind of lower level prospects, you know, on top of that Wolf and Green. So so all of a sudden you go, well, well now this makes a lot more sense. Certainly from the Cleveland side of it, that was going to be I thought the more difficult part. It's not that you don't want Lindor. It's like do you have the, what it takes to get them? So I, I was really pleased to see that the Mets were able to work it out. For me, the big shock was Carrasco kind of just thrown in. 
Carrasco, like if that trade just happened on those on those players alone, and you say, listen, there's some upside in being able to sign him the same way that you know Piazza came to New York. Nobody knew if he was going to be wanting to stay or how that would pan out, but the Mets were able to woo him and and just playing in New York gave him that opportunity to say, hey, listen, I want to be here for a long, long time. So I feel like once Lindor gets here and he is able to bask in this environment and they play some winning baseball, that's going to be an easy sell, right? But getting Carrasco thrown in in this deal, that's huge. Talk about that, Jim. Yeah, well, right. So, so I think that's the uh, the thing that really kind of goes unnoticed. Okay, so Lindor, stu- superstar player. I think he's one of the top five players in the in the sport. Carrasco is a really good starting pitcher. You know, he, he had obviously you know the cancer that he came back from, so it's a, it's a terrific story in that light. You know, he hasn't built up you know as many innings as maybe others would at his age. He's going to pitch at thirty four, but he is you know he, he was a you know a potential all-star type of pitcher and he's, his career ERA is under four you know again he's been pitching in the, in the National League and so you know that that he has aged pretty well he's, he's gotten uh, close to 200 innings prior to 2019 and he did it uh, he did it in 17-18 so it's like you know that part of it you know watching watching uh, him come over in the deal I mean adds to to the rotation you know in in the mix of he and Stroman Obviously, Peterson, as we know, Matt, so any combination of that. And, and you know, until Syndergaard comes, like when you, you can start to dream about, boy, that, that rotation, hopefully, if Syndergaard's healthy towards the middle of the season, uh, has a chance to be a really dynamic and, and dominant uh, rotation again, which is, you know, we've talked about, you and I have talked about this, you know, uh, in the past about, you know, this kind of building around starting rotation. He's he's a legit, I'd say, at least number three. It could be, you know, three or four type starter, depending on how how well he's pitching. So I, I like that aspect of it too, and it really goes on under uh, or unnoticed, and not certainly not noticed as much. Well, what I love about it as well is that not only does it give you a, a, someone you have confidence in at twelve million a year, he's getting around the same money as a Waka or Porcello was, and this guy has a proven track record, a lot longer proven track record than those two guys combined. And then when you look at then when you look at being able to leave Seth Lugo in the bullpen to be that Swiss Army weapon, that that kind of pitcher who can do it all. I love Lugo in that role. We saw him as a starter last year, and he wasn't stretched out properly. And you, you see the effects of it at uh, you know over a six ERA as a starter. I think that's what you're doing with a proven guy like Carrasco for only twelve million, and you have him for at least two years with an option for the third year. So it's a a huge part of the deal that kind of people are like, yeah, we got Lindor, but you also got Carrasco that's going to lengthen that starting rotation and also keep key members of that bullpen in their in their positions where they have a chance to succeed as well. Right. So and and you're right. I I, I like Lugo better, you know, in the in that in that role. Right. Can do both rather him in the pen you know I wasn't quite sure how it was going to look in rotation we saw it a, a little bit and like you said he wasn't stretched out so he tried to give him the benefit of the doubt with the fact that his ERA was over six but but also you know you might need him at some point during the course of the season listen they were also you know uh, out in the free agent market looking for help right so what Bauer we know is going to be really expensive they didn't really need a power because they have the Grom at the top. So it was like the next level. Well, this guy, you know, Carrasco, you know, two, two in an option is about what you'd be given, you know, one of those guys on the marketplace. So, so getting him really, really gives you the depth in the rotation that you're, that you're talking about. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, this is one that is, is, it was almost a no brainer type of conversation. What I liked about it was they kept it quiet 
you know, it's hard to do that in New York. Um, and everyone was thinking, including myself, that the Blue Jays were the front runner for, for Lindor because that front office there came from Cleveland. But they weren't willing to, to step up like the Mets were. Jim Duquette on Amazing But True for a few more minutes. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Jim underscore Duquette. Jim, you have a unique perspective because you were the farm director May 22nd, 1998. Now, a lot of people today, the talk is this is the best Mets trade, the biggest trade since they got Mike Piazza. And you were the farm director when you guys traded away. And it's pretty crazy because when you look back on it, it seems like an absolute fleecing. Preston Wilson, Jeff Getz, and Ed Yarnell. 95% of people don't know Jeff Getz and Ed Yarnell. So we know Preston Wilson had a solid career, but nowhere near Mike Piazza. Can you look back when you guys made that deal then and compare it to now? Some people are calling this a fleecing now. I think Cleveland got a nice return here, but compare the trade now to what you guys did for Piazza. Well, all right. So that's a good, that's a good one, Jake, because, you know, listen, trust, you know, they, they were at various stages of like uh, normal. Ed Yarnell was, was, a really good pitcher in Double A. I don't know, Figgy, if you had crossed past him at that him. point. I was career. with him when he was eight and zero with a point three ERA at the time before he went to the Marlins. It was unbelievable. He, he could, yeah, he could dot I's and cross T's with his fastball, right? I mean, he had unbelievable command. The stuff was a little short, but but he was lefty and he knew how to pitch. And so, you know, in the Marlins, you know, they were in a, in a, in a Double A. I remember sitting there near their pitching coordinator, and he had told me that year that he loved Ed Yarnell, right? So. That factored in moving him in that in that deal. Getz was the guy, so and that he was our first round pick from the previous season from '97, and you could not at that point trade him for a full year uh, from the date that he had signed. So you know you mentioned that the trade was in May. Well, we weren't allowed to announce his name until June, which was the year after he had signed. So he was still in our organization. For a couple of weeks, and that name wasn't supposed to leak out, leak out, and it did. And of course, his dad is calling me like on a regular basis. And we had to deal with the we had to deal with the Marlins on how we were going to use him because he was really technically their player, so we wanted to protect him and do the right thing. So it was a it was a mess at the time, uh, knowing that he was going to be traded. But we had to treat him just like you know he was one of ours, you know, like we should, and make sure, and do right by the Marlins in that deal. Preston, of course, like you mentioned, it was a good player. You know, and, and he was a key component for that. And they loved our players. And we had done a deal for Al Leiter the year before. And they said, you know, A.J. Burnett was part of that deal. They knew our system in and out. So they asked for the right guys. But, you know, it, there was a lot of risk there. And I think, you know, with with uh, Wolf, and, and I know Wolf a little bit. He's, kids, he's a good kid. He's, he's got plus stuff as a pitcher. But he's a high school pitcher. And there was risk there. But I think he's a major leaguer, and and, and same thing uh, with the other kid, with the outfielder. So you know, it's, but but you're gonna have to wait, you know. And there's you know, in any type of minor league prospect, there's always some level of risk that they're not going to get there, or not, or they're not going to realize their, their true potential. So so you know, there it's it, you're willing to give up the risk for two major leaguers to win. Now the Indians won't know you know, until a couple of years from now, what, the, what those players end up looking like for them. Yeah, Jim. And it seems like having Ronnie Mauricio in the system, you know, makes the load of losing Jimenez and Rosario. It helps because you have a guy in case, you know, the, the Mets fans worry is that Lindor doesn't sign long-term. Do you think they get something done before the season or do they wait? 
Well, so the you know, you know interesting part. So go back to the Piazza thing. The Piazza, you get them in the course of the season. We wanted to try to do something in season. They wanted to wait. And then at the end of the deal, at the end of the year, there was an awful lot of pressure on us to sign him up. And we gave him a, a record at that time for a, a player that hadn't been out in the free agent market. You got 91 mil. He was a record for the Mets. You're going to have the same type of situation with Lindor now. There's already a deal that's already been out there that you're going to end up probably having to compare them to, and that's the one that the Dodgers gave the Mookie Betts. They're similar, impactful type players that, and you know, in in, in Lindor's off the middle type of player. So, so that that uh, that number, which was over 400, I'm not say, suggesting that they're going to have to go to that number exactly. But it is going to be extremely expensive. But I do think that you don't trade for a guy of this magnitude and this good unless your intention is to sign him. And when you got an owner for $14.6 billion, it shouldn't be the most difficult thing. But obviously, everyone looking at the luxury tax and approaching that 210 number and how they're going to work it here. And there's still more moves to be done, Jim. I mean, George Springer, they everyone's got dream of pitching and relief <laughs> pitching. I mean, you got to imagine there's more here on the horizon for us. Well, it you know that's the interesting thing too. They they could they could go down that road with Springer. They could certainly go out and find another starter and go out and find. I would right now the way they're constructed, I wouldn't mind going out, having them go out and find another bullpen piece, try to get a you know a, just a, a you know a killer bullpen and dominant pen. It's a pretty good pen already right now, but I'd like to see it even better. So I, like you said, there's there's a lot of different options, but but you know I think the the good part of this is that they've, they've acquired impact. And they're starting to flush out more depth. And those are two qualities that we saw with the Dodgers. It's what the Padres have now, kind of where the Braves are. And you can start to now throw the Mets into that equation. Jim Duquette, you catch him on MLB Network Radio. Catch him on SMY, where he used to be with Figgy, who does not look anywhere near TV ready. I'm staring at him right now, Jim, and his hair, he looks like he hasn't gotten a haircut since before the pandemic. It's been oh, a while. Man. He's a COVID curl. Stop hating. Yeah. You know, you're still bald no matter what. Control. Yeah, he, he hates on me because, you know, we don't, we don't have hair on our head, so he hates on that factor. But uh, No, 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 I don't hate on it. I, you know, I, I, I chose to be bald a couple of times in my life. But uh, definitely the COVID curls, uh, I'm yeah. going to wear them as long as I need F- Find a locally uh, socially distanced barbershop pretty soon, Figgy. It's kind of oh, uh, That's funny. That visual, by the way, I appreciate that visual. I'll, 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 I'll go off on the Figgy hairstyle right now. Yeah, think about it later before you go to bed. Think about it. I, I won't yeah, show you. Right. Just Thanks. envision. <laughs> figgy, figgy after dark. Jim, you're, you keep posting wine. Where's the love for re- white wine? You're always posting red wine. Are you not? Are yeah, you, are you, I know. Well. You know that's a good one. I I, I have to. Uh, I'm a little defer, uh, deferential towards red, but I'll throw a couple of white. In All there. right, for me, throw some white in there. I'm a Pinot Grigio yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, this is a week where we need a lot of drinking of what happened in, yes. in our country. So a lot of drinking to for celebrate sure. because the Mets got Lindor and Carrasco and well, Jim, Jim Duquette. It's uh, it was great to have you on Amazing but True, man. All right, Jake. Thanks for having me, Figgy. Peace out. We'll talk to you soon. That'll say adios to episode 34, the Noah Syndergaard edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake, and Alex Camerata for producing the show. Catch up on all episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing wherever you get your podcast from. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back whenever the next big Mets news hits. Let's go, Mets. Stay safe, everybody, and Happy New Year. <laughs>